What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Orange Loot Podcast. We are happy to have you in here with us. We are excited for the things that are coming with Orange Loot in the near future. We're excited to share them with you guys. So stay tuned for all that news. Find us on Twitter, find us in our Discord, and stay up to date. Today is our first ad-free episode, so enjoy that, and we're just going to get right into it. All right, Gavin, so finally we have an episode here that is not just the two of us compiling lists and comparing them. We are just going to have a nice, simple discussion about one of my favorite gaming topics, tabletop gaming. And I'm going to start off with the basics, kind of how people typically get into tabletop gaming as a hobby, starting out with like your typical candy lands or life or checkers or whatever brings you first to the table. And then you kind of evolve from there, right? So for me personally, the first, I'll say real quote unquote tabletop game that I actually played outside of those like Hasbro commercial type games was Settlers of Catan, which now I believe is just called Catan. They changed it up a little bit, but still basically the same game. Um, And that really kind of brought me into this a little bit more strategy heavy uh, kind of niche of a tabletop gaming variety that's not just fun for the whole family kind of advertised. Um, What brought you and what was your first kind of outside of the regular board game i guess outside or like the regular stuff mine was i can't remember if it was Catan or like ticket to ride because i Catan was like the first strategy type game thing that i played too um my uncle like got it he's like hey cool new game you should check it out um and then ticket to ride was kind of different um but not as uh in depth i guess as Catan was but as far as i can remember i'm pretty I'm, i think mine was Catan too um trying to stray away from like the mainstream games like clue and uh risk but yeah i think i'm in the same boat as you as Catan kind of opened that door to me that like hey there's other games other than monopoly and scrabble yeah i think you mentioned ticket to ride and i think ticket to ride also is um, a pretty good game that Catan, I think, has an appeal for people like us who play video games and have some sort of, um, I don't want to say like role-playing-esque background, but even just having some interest in a fantasy genre or I, d- I don't think Catan is suited for everybody, but a game like Ticket to Ride, which can draw in a different crowd as well into board gaming. I think Ticket to Ride is up there with a lot of people's kind of gateway game, just like Catan is for some of us. But yeah, the the slippery slope for me after Catan started with when I was at work talking about Catan, uh, I had a coworker just kind of casually mention that I was like a rookie when it came to board games or it was a 
entry level kind of title and me being the novice board gamer that I was, I, uh, I questioned him on it and I challenged him like, Hey, no, this is like, what do you mean? Scrabble's the entry level game. What? Like <laughs> I'm, I'm a serious gamer. I play Catan. Right. And, uh, he opened my eyes to what is now almost a problem in my life. Uh, buying too many of these board games that I, I never knew existed, but games yeah, like, um, what do we got over here? Terraforming <clears throat> Mars and Azul, Dice Forge, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Um, a lot of these games that I had never heard of, genres I never knew existed. Uh, my eyes were opened, and uh, here I sit on a on a throne made out of all my board game boxes. And yeah, so my my gaming collection has has really picked up since then and I think it's a it's a interesting path that people go down when they transition from your traditional board games into more and more serious gaming and there's a price tag which we'll talk about here in a second but uh after after Catan after Ticket to Ride what what brought you along I don't like me personally. I don't have a big collection of board games. I'm kind of one of those people that uh, just plays games that their friends have. Uh, but some bigger ones, I guess, that like I've played. Uh, there's Hive is a recent one. It's kind of like a a bug chess. Uh, that was interesting. Um, uh, photosynthesis. Mm. That one was pretty good. It's like a strategy one. I th I think for me, I've done more like the card game type ones, like uh, Joking Hazard, the Exploding Kittens. Uh, I recently tried the Oregon Trail card game. That one was actually pretty fun. It's hard, but I haven't personally bought a lot of the newer board games. I think the most recent board game that I played was Clank. Uh, that one was pretty interesting. You had to like escape a spaceship that was a little more in depth. There were a lot of rules, um, but I, I haven't. I Ticket to Ride is like the most recent game that I bought just because I remember playing it. Um, so I haven't really gotten into building my own collection yet. Yeah, that is one of the like most difficult things I think I found getting into board gaming is that. I just wanted to play so many games. There are so many different games to choose from and they all sound so fun that my group of friends that we started playing Catan because I did own Catan at the time, we wanted to play more and we would each commit to a different game, bring it to game night and play. And that was a fairly viable option to prevent any one of us from spent because games range from 10 bucks for some of the more simple card games like some of the ones you mentioned to a hundred two hundred dollars even for some really in-depth ones i think twilight imperium is over two hundred dollars but i mean you're gonna spend hours playing it um so i think the average board game will put almost at the same price as like uh a video game a brand new video game we'll say 60 dollars, just kind of as an average right um yeah 
and like I've I'm sitting here and I've got quite a quite a lot of games and I've I've dumped a lot of money into these games and when I'm comparing them to something like a video game the amount of hours I have into like Skyrim which I paid full price for when it came out or any of the Call of Duties that I've played like a lot Modern Warfare most recently like $60 the same amount of money I paid for this board game this board game I've only played like five times maybe because I have all these other board games and it takes so long you have to organize a group of friends and for the money the amount of time spent playing is ridiculously less than something like a video game and um, I think that turns a lot of people off from expanding a big board game collection and like you said being able to just play games that your friends already have is one of the better options but um just so people don't fall into almost the same trap that i did and spending way too much money on games some some of these games that i've paid a decent amount for i've played once maybe twice and that is that is not something that i think especially new gamers that get excited about it should um find themselves in a similar position until you have an established group or until you get a feel for what you and your friends kind of games you actually like um there's other options and i know now with with the virus going around and places being a little more difficult to like go in and sit down and hang out but eventually assuming things go back to normal a lot of game stores will let you play games there you and your friends can go in grab a game that they have already like opened off the shelf specifically for that reason and you can go in and just play the game with your friends it doesn't have to be with random people at the store if you want to some of them have game nights like that my local library here has like bring your own board games and play with random people in town um or bring board games to play with your friends and it, they just give you a space to do it. So that's, um, that's my like biggest recommendation for people looking to just get into board games so that you don't fall into what I did. And you're 10 games in your collection, only playing half of them once or twice, and then dedicating a lot more time to the other half. And it seems like a waste of money. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, for me, I, w I don't think I'll buy a game until I've played it like maybe two or three times. And I was like, no, for sure. Like, yeah, this is fun. And I'd be willing to share this with people that haven't played it before moving around and stuff. Um, you're always going to end up finding a group of people that haven't played something you own. So I'll usually wait till I play it like two or three times. And I'm looking at maybe like one or two board games a year. Uh, for myself but uh, especially with the way things have been going and not being able to go out like you said you know going to game stores and stuff you can play games for free a lot of them do it um, but something I found uh, is tabletop simulator you can mm -hmm. get that on steam uh, it's like 11 bucks I think and they have like every game you can think of like you can just play on there and you can if you get it for your friends or your friends get it like you can literally just download any board game you can think of for free and just play it on there if you want to try new games out so especially like now with the way things are and not being able to go out as often 
I'd recommend like looking at that if you want to try something um, before you buy it. But with the price of games and how often you play them, like, and not wanting to fall into the spending hundreds of dollars, I would say like stick to one or two games and wait until you've played them three or four times yourself before you decide to buy them. That's kind of like what I stick to. Yeah, is that so? You said the library of games there on Tabletop Simulator is once you have the Tabletop Simulator game, you can just download from the library for free any of those games that they have listed? So the way that they're, the games work, it's like the Steam Workshop stuff. So players, people that play the game, like make it themselves and then just like post it for free to download. Um, I've seen a few that like ask for donations, which is like, you don't have to do it, but yeah, like people just go on and make like a playable version of the game and then you can play it. If you're good with computers and stuff, like you could make it yourself if you've played it at least once or like, I don't know, watched a video of somebody playing it, you could figure it out. They have all the tools and stuff to make yourself, but a lot of people have just been like sharing their own versions of it. You can just download it. You load up the table, you invite your friends, like they don't even have to have it downloaded as long as you do. And then you can just like go through and play the game. Some of the controls and stuff aren't really uh, like intuitive, but there's like tutorials. It's it's not too hard to figure out. So if you like really wanted to try a game without having to drop the 60 bucks, uh, I would recommend just grabbing Tabletop Simulator and seeing if they have it in the Steam Workshop. You Try it out that way. Where were you five years ago? When I started this uh, addiction, <laughs> I don't know if Tabletop Simulator was out five years ago, but yeah, like you can play. I think I have Catan on there, like even Warhammer, like the Star Wars X Wing miniatures games is on there. Like I, they, they just have like everything on there, so it's definitely a good spot to try and save some money and try out new games. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to do that for sure before I before I hit the the game stores again and <laughs> nowadays I know this is a little contrary to the point that we just made but um, board gaming has become significantly more accessible even over the last like five years especially over the last decade I remember in say Target you were only finding the games like Life or Clue or Monopoly but now you're finding and we'll talk about this here in a second. You're finding Dungeons and Dragons starter sets in Target. You're finding oh, yeah. Catan and all of its expansions. You're finding a lot of these games that were nowhere near big box stores five, ten years ago, and now they're readily accessible. Barnes and Noble has a bigger selection than some like dedicated game stores, which is a little unfortunate. I always try to plug like support your local game store. But if you don't have one or if it's too far away or they're out, they don't have the selection or whatever, like Barnes and Noble even now has crazy big selection. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember like, I think it was a couple months ago. It was the first time I saw like a D&D uh, starter set in Target. And it just like kind of took me by surprise because I remember only ever seeing those like maybe one in Barnes and Noble. And then uh, I... When I was younger, you know, I'd only been to like one or two like card games slash board game stores because most of the people in there playing Magic or Pokemon and they had like a handful of games. That was like the only place you ever saw those things. And now there's a bunch of uh, 
I don't know, I guess you could call them indie board games, but the selection is definitely improving. Yeah, so we can wrap up our initial board game talk here. What are your, if you were going to give just a couple few recommendations for board games that you enjoy to someone either just starting out or even more experienced board gamers, if you had some recommendations, what would yours be? Ooh, um, let's see. Oh gosh, I don't even know. That Clank game I played was really fun. Uh, I don't own it. I think it's like about $65, $70 maybe. Uh, the rules are a little, uh, little intense first time looking at it, but we had a lot of fun playing that, especially for the first time. I'd be willing to play that one again. Um, Catan, I, that game's just fun. Uh, Puerto Rico, mm. I've played that one a handful of times. That one's kind of similar to the Catan style. And if you're looking for like a fun card game, I I would just say Oregon Trail, just because that's the most recent one I played and that one was pretty fun. Oh, uh, Secret Hitler, that one's a pretty good one. That's like a uh, one person's Hitler, everybody else has to try and guess, and you it's like a lying game basically. Uh, but that's a good in-person type game that kind of changes things up a bit. So yeah, there are be... a lot of variations on games like that, which are all pretty fun with a with a good group of people. Let's see, my recommendations, I'll start with one, I think, for like for newer gamers that are looking for something quick, something fun, easy to pick up, fairly uh, cost-effective, and me and you, I brought it over, played King Domino. Oh yeah, that one was good. King Domino, a real pretty, pretty fast-paced kind of Domino-esque, you're building a little kingdom uh, and scoring points based on how you connect your different types of land um pretty simple rules easy to learn easy to get into fast paced and cost effective like i said so king domino is up there for new players uh azul a-z-u-l uh is i think it won the like german board game award a few years ago maybe 2017 or 18 um that one's a lot of fun almost uh sudoku-esque tile placement it looks beautiful the tiles feel fantastic um but it's somewhat resource management somewhat sudoku puzzle kind of game and then for very serious board gamers or people looking to get more serious uh twilight imperium is as i mentioned 200 plus dollars but in a single game session or from start to finish one game can take eight to almost 20 hours and it's hardcore strategy hardcore like military space troop management you have a whole fleet of spacecraft that you're managing and battling and there's some politics involved and it's it's like it's super risk it is like super risk exactly uh, but it is a lot of fun if you have the time if you have a dedicated group and if you're just looking to get into a really hardcore strategy game, Twilight Imperium is fantastic. But we will now move on to the next kind of tabletop gaming genre. My personal favorite, the tabletop role-playing game. 
Um, if you're unfamiliar with the term, tabletop role-playing games basically encompasses anything that is played similar to Dungeons & Dragons, which is probably the most popular of the tabletop role-playing games out there, the most recognizable name, Dungeons & Dragons, um, being the flagship kind of paved the way for all of these games that came after it. You uh, very story-based one person, the game master or dungeon master, is going to be telling a story, and the rest of the characters, those are the players at the table, have their own characters that fit in that story, and you get to decide the actions of your character. So it's very open-ended. There's not, like most board games, are going to have specific objectives and specific one or two things you can do on your turn, but with tabletop RPGs, you can uh, you can basically do whatever your imagination would let you do, and my personal favorite is the OG Dungeons and Dragons. I think it is the most famous and probably the most played for a reason. It might not be the best at any one thing, but I think overall it does a good job of bringing in new players as well as providing good content for experienced players and longtime fans of the genre definitely um it's pretty much like the perfect one to get into really because it the rules aren't too complicated it pretty much like sets the groundwork for any other uh tabletop dice rolling rpg you're going to play like you were saying there's some that are better at others like uh, if you're looking for combat there's um, stuff like the Warhammer like RPG that's really uh, intense and you it's really easy to die. There's more story driven stuff. Um, you have like the Star Wars role playing game with the whole uh, force and choosing to be a Sith or a Jedi uh, like good versus bad politic type things. But I think like you're saying Dungeons and Dragons is pretty much like the middle ground hey, if you try this and like you like parts of it, uh, it'll at least like lay the groundwork so you can play something that you may be more interested in. But um, I think if you're going to get into an RPG tabletop like that, you really just need to find a group of people that you like being around. Um, it took a while for me to get into the RPG type stuff because I thought it was kind of like a nerdy thing early on. It's got a bad stigma to it. But I think if you get with the right group of people that like you're comfortable with and are like you just want to hang out and have fun, it's really like one of the better things you can do. I think when you're just hanging out, because like you're, it's pretty much you just do whatever you want and you're hanging out with people you like to be around and uh, you kind of just like tell a story. And there's some things you do that have some rules, but D and D is like a really good gateway <laughs> drug almost into the world of rpg tabletop yeah i agree i think starting off with a good group when you're just learning is very important some people that recognize that you maybe you haven't played before or even if you're starting with a group that has never played before a lot of the starter sets and there's a handful of starter sets. I I intend soon to do a YouTube video for the Orange Loot YouTube channel on 
comparing a few of the different starter sets and kind of what they offer. So I'm not going to go too much into those, but if you can find a starter set of a specific role-playing game that sounds like it appeals to you, whether it be Dungeons and Dragons or whether it be something else, the starter set typically has everything you need for a group of people who have never played the game or even a tabletop role-playing game to just jump right in, get a feel for the rules, get a feel for the, the flow of things. And if you're still unsure about how the game is supposed to look or play, there are plenty of live playthroughs or like live playthrough recordings from podcasts. A lot of podcast podcasts do uh, live plays. A lot of YouTube videos like Critical Role, huge. If, uh, if you know anything about tabletop RPGs, you've probably heard of Critical Role. Um, another one that I started out watching when I was first kind of learning the rules of Dungeons & Dragons was the High Rollers podcast by uh, Yogscast. I think they're, at least the group that plays D&D is out of the UK somewhere, but Yogscast is a huge like gaming YouTube conglomerate at this point and I started by just watching their playthrough I picked up a lot of the rules before I ever even got the rule book so then I was able to jump right in in my first game and kind of I had a feel for how it was supposed to play out what the combat kind of felt like or looked like and just watching a few episodes or even just a few rounds of combat or role-playing from those things does a lot. It'll give you a feel for if you like the game or if it interests you at all. It might not be your thing, and watching that might make you decide, let's just play board games instead. Who knows? So that's what I recommend, getting into it, either a starter set or watching some of those videos, listening to some of those podcasts. But I think tabletop role-playing games with the right group can really appeal to anybody there is a genre of tabletop rpg out there for anybody whether you like 1920s noir kind of horror you can play call of cthulhu that's a fairly new one for us we just started a campaign a few months ago and that has been very fun i think um you have blades in the dark another alternative to DD that's Again, a little darker and a little more criminal heist-esque. Um, but I know that one's a big alternative that people like after they've gotten bored of Dungeons & Dragons or they just want to try something else. But those are just a few of my alternate recommendations. Pathfinder and Starfinder are other big like blockbuster ones that are fairly accessible and fairly popular in the community as well. And you don't... Like you don't have to start with D and D. It's just a good basic one. I think I started with Pathfinder because uh, I think that was like around when three point five D and D was around, uh, and that was just like a little easier to navigate for the rule books. So, like we've said, you don't have to start with D and D, but it's a good like all around. Uh, the Call of Cthulhu one you mentioned was really fun. That one was more uh, story driven and like role playing. Uh, compared to other games I've played me personally I'm not a big I'm not big into like changing my voice and like acting out my character I kind of like to play the game in my head a little bit and sometimes uh for other people that 
are more into the role playing aspect. It makes them think I'm not having fun. Uh, so that the Call of Cthulhu kind of opened me up a little bit more into like playing out a character that's not actually me. Uh, so that was interesting. But uh, the tabletop RPGs have definitely always like ended up with people that, at least in the groups I've been a part of, that have never played them before. There's always at least one or two people and they usually end up really enjoying it. So I would definitely recommend if you've never played one, uh, just like ask your friends, you might not even realize that they play them, but I would try and get in a group of people and at least try it out. Uh, cause they've definitely brought along some good times and there's always been a person or two that you would have never thought played or even you yourself never would have played, uh, before. And it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I have definitely sat around months later after a session talking to the people that I played with, discussing things that happened in one of our campaigns as if we lived through them because it was just such a memorable, fun time at the table that we had. And we talked about what our characters did as if we were the ones doing it and we uh we were able to reminisce on that and it's just it's a lot of fun and it's an experience that i don't think you really get anywhere else definitely all right so now we will get into our final little subcategory of tabletop gaming one that i am significantly less familiar with than the last two so I will let Gavin kind of take it from here. Uh, so I'm newer into the tabletop. Uh, I would say compared to some people that may or may not be listening, but uh, the big one that got me into it was Warhammer. I think a lot of people have at least heard of or know what it is. When I was in high school, one of my buddies had some models and he's like, Hey, you should check this out. It's kind of like a hobby. You get to paint them. Uh, so I bought like a box or two of the things, didn't really know how to play, but I thought it was kind of fun painting them. They look cool. Um, it's something to do when I had some free time. And then I started like actually playing it and it's a, uh, like an in-depth, uh, board game. It's like risk, but like on crack, basically that's how I kind of see the miniature games. Uh, you get to roll dice, you get to make like strategic decisions and then somebody ends up winning. Winning is always fun. But the thing that uh, turns people off from the miniature games is how expensive it is, right? Because you have to buy the models and stuff, especially with uh, Warhammer. Like even the the people that have been playing Warhammer for 20 plus years, like are constantly complaining about the price of the models and uh, how they feel like they're getting robbed. I don't know how much it costs to actually like make the things and design them and then print them out and ship them off. Um, but it's definitely not a cheap hobby to get into. Um, for me, I waited, like I said, I kind of started in high school. I had a couple models or whatever. I ended up painting them. They were like a decent quality, nothing fancy. And I sold them to one of his friends who wanted to get into it. Uh, I made a decent amount of cash off of it and then just kind of forgot about it. I didn't really have time, um, with work and stuff. And then. Uh, I saved up some money uh, and a new edition for Warhammer had dropped. And so I I was like, oh, now's the perfect time to get back into this. They kind of refresh some stuff. They came out with new armies or whatever. 
spent some time looking at it. I had a little bit of like history playing the game. So I knew a little bit more than I had before. Spent some time thinking about it, looking at, uh, looking back for like the rule books and the dice and the models and the paints, you know, um, it was a couple hundred bucks, like getting into it. I still have all the stuff. It's still usable. I'm still playing like not as much as I could be, um, because of work and stuff, but, uh, I don't know. It's just really fun. I like it a lot. I've play tested a couple of them. Uh, other ones other than Warhammer. You've got uh, one that I tried while I was at Dragon Con. Uh, was Dust 1947. It's like all the tabletops are pretty much the same. There's like multiple factions. You pick one you like that either because the story behind why they are or the way the models look. You think they're cool. So you pick one and then you kind of just like have a little war and some are more narrative than others. Um, but I, I play tested Dust 1947 while I was at Dragon Con. That one was pretty fun. I know there's... Um, uh, so Warhammer split up between 40k and Age of Sigmar. One's like futuristic, one's swords, knights, and stuff. There's World War II tabletop miniatures. Um, Axes and Allies. Or Sorry, not Axes and Allies. God, what's the name of that? Um, oh. It's escaping my brain. I'll think of it in a minute. But there's like World War II, World War One. There's basically a miniature tabletop wargaming for any type of category you can think of. So, um, Flames of War. That's the World War II one I was thinking of. But, I mean... Even like Star Wars, right? Yeah, Star Wars... Uh, X-Wing, I think is what it's called. Star Wars has one. Um, Lord of the Rings has one. Like, if there is some type of genre that you like there's probably a tabletop miniatures game associated with it and the thing that i like the most about it is it's a hobby and a game at the same time you know with the painting and stuff um i'm not the best at it but it's relaxing for the most part while you're doing it uh and it's satisfying like spending all this time painting up these things and then looking at them on the table you know you're not pulling out the all right, I'm going to pick green and that's the color I have on the table and I'm green and you're yellow. Like, no, I, I painted all of these and they look this way because that's the way I wanted them to look. So there's that aspect to the miniatures game that I like more so than the board game stuff. Uh, but I, I don't think there's going to be a change anytime soon to the price cost of like getting into the miniature stuff. So it's definitely something you're going to have to save up for if it's something you're interested in. And I know some uh, game stores, they'll usually have like uh, extra models or armies that they're selling and they'll let you like play with them while you're at the store so you can at least try it out. Or uh, people that are into it, they'll usually have an extra army or something that they'll let you, uh, like if you're friends with somebody that's into it, they'll let you like try it out. So there, there's ways to at least attempt to play these types of games before you drop up hundreds of dollars on them. Um, yeah, that's that's yeah. one of the things um, that I wanted to ask, and just thinking about the different scenarios that you find yourself in playing the game. Right, you have playing at a friend's house, just casual on the like dining room table or whatever. Then you have like playing on Friday night game night at the local store, and then you have like. Hey, I'm going to a tournament, right? 
let's say like I want to I want to get into war gaming or tabletop miniatures games or whatever we're classifying it as and um I don't know if I'm going to like it or even if I even if I have some but a new set is coming out cuz right I think we just had you've mentioned before that a new um new warhammer stuff just came out and maybe some of the new mechanics or one of the new um sets has some different stuff about it that i'm not sure what are my options to test play as a new player or just trying out something new can i can i use can i go to the dollar store and buy army men and like label each one as a different piece can i cut out pieces of cardboard and stick them on little like character stands little cheap game piece stands and move those around the board um i think 3d printing if i am not mistaken is a cheaper alternative um and how are each of those things gonna fit into our different like at a friend's house at a game store tournament play um how do all those fit at the different levels yeah that's a good question so for the most part, from what I have like seen or read about, uh, if you're doing casual stuff like you and a buddy are playing and maybe your buddy has an army and you don't, uh, like depending on who your friend is, typically they'll be cool with like you just like proxying a model for something else. Um, so like the casual stuff, it's really just depending on if you know the person or not and how willing they are to... Uh, give leeway but usually if like you're a person who's never played and you just want to try it out people are pretty good about just being like yeah like um you can borrow what i have and we'll just say it's this or you can just sub it out with the plastic army men example that you gave to at least give you an idea of like what it's like to actually play the game and they'll for the most part uh give you some like tips and tricks and kind of like just show you what are some good things to think about and stuff like that? Or uh, I've seen game stores like let you borrow rule books and stuff so you can like read through it and kind of get the gist of what's going on. Um, if you're doing like the Friday night gaming stuff, like you want to go out to your local game store and play, um, there's a lot of third party um, companies that sell models that are just different from like the base game uh models are typically a little bit cheaper sometimes they look cooler they'll be a little more expensive or they uh at least for warhammer i know the circle bases that the model sits on the size of those bases uh a lot of times affects like the movement and all that because that's how you measure out where things go so for the most part if you're going to be using third party or 3d printed stuff and you're doing like your friday night local game store type stuff as long as like the base or the model isn't similar size, because um, that does matter when you're actually playing the game. Mm -hmm. Most people are pretty good about it. Or if you want to, let's say you have just the basic soldier and you want to try using one that has a different gun, uh, but you don't have the model with a different gun. Most people are going to be okay with you just being like, hey, as long as I'm following the rules, like we're just going to pretend it's this guy. But when you get into like the tournament type stuff, you have to use license models. A lot of them will have like a minimum number of colors painted on them. 
that way uh, it's not looked at like you're just going out and buying what's good for the meta and just spray painting it one color and showing up to a tournament and winning a prize pool. Um, so if you want to get, if you're like big into strategy and you know you like that type of stuff and you're just, just going to eventually go to that, uh, I would recommend straying away from the uh proxying or third-party models just because when you go to an actual tournament it's not going to be legal but if you're just starting out most people are pretty good about you using like whatever if that answers your question yeah definitely definitely i think um because it's so expensive and to play from the little i know about hearing about it you the like size of your army can change from game to game depending on like your agreed upon format or whatever right you might have one really large battle or you could just have like squad versus squad and if you're just starting out and you want to get a feel for different things like it can get pretty expensive um and having that ability to proxy with whatever's available i think does help make the game more accessible and will help bring people in and i understand needing like what you said with tournament play avoiding just a quick buy spray paint win the tournament that does give some justification at least in my eyes for those requirements it still does feel like you were saying some of the players are complaining about it does feel a little bit greedy if you look at it from a different perspective but there are still viable reasons as you mentioned that um do make those requirements legitimate so um i think across that range it does give people a good enough option just to play the game if they just want to play the game so um, consider those options as I am looking from the outside in. I'm considering how I want to give it a try if I want to give it a try. Um, and I think I will eventually here. But it's not something, like I said, I already spent all my gaming budget on board games that I don't play. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't have that extra cash sitting around. Maybe I'll go get some army men and beg Gavin here to let me play with proxies. Well, I do have a few models with another army that I don't play, so I'd be willing to <laughs> let you try it out with those. But like the D&D, there's a lot of starter sets for that too. Uh, and from the recent ones that I've seen, at least they come with uh, like a small scale, two different armies. They're kind of meant for you to be able to play with two other people, whether or not that second person keeps playing with you. Uh, so those are good things to look at too. They usually come with like a the basic rule book and enough to for two people to play a small game so if you're trying to get into that i would look out for those as well nice uh is there anything about um this new this new warhammer stuff that's coming out um that you're excited for that you're do you have any speculations i don't think all of it's out if i'm not mistaken um but any any sort of excitement you want to talk about or any uh, predictions or anything? Like yeah, so like you're saying, it's not all completely out because uh, the way Warhammer set up, there's 
multiple races and factions uh, and they're kind of like releasing rule books one or two of them every month for the different factions and kind of giving them updates or uh reworking them maybe they haven't gotten an update in a couple years and trying to make them fit more into the more recent stuff but the thing i'm most excited for with this ninth edition that they just came out with is the uh, crusades it's more of a narrative uh play style type thing and it's pretty cool because you like set up your army and you have like uh, they call them rec points and um, every game you play um, basically you keep track of these rec points and you can spend them to like increase the size of your army or give them upgrades and you like actually keep track of uh, how many other units and stuff your unit killed and it gives them individual experience and like you keep track of that and you just upgrade and grow this army as you play more and more uh, individual battles and it's designed to be able to uh, pick up and take to any game store pretty much wherever you go and just like find another person at the game store who's like hey i want to play crusade you're like cool you guys like pick a point level that you want to play at and then there's a balance system in place for maybe somebody that just started their crusade army uh playing against somebody who's been playing crusade for like five months uh, to kind of level the playing field a little bit so that way the person who's been playing longer isn't too overpowered um so that's something i'm definitely excited about uh compared to some other previous Warhammer stuff I've done, just the ability to like track and grow an army as you play with it is pretty exciting for me. That sounds like an interesting spin on, uh, on the game there. Well, that is going to wrap it up for our tabletop gaming episode. If you guys have a favorite game that you want to share with us if you are looking for more recommendations on any games hit us up on twitter at orange loot or hop into our discord and you can chat with us there you can connect with other gamers if you're looking to play some tabletop simulator with someone or just looking to get into gaming and you have some questions you can find us in the discord there you can also check out the orange loot youtube channel for, for some gaming related videos as i said there's going to be a kind of starter set rpg wrap up coming out soon keep an eye out for that and lastly i just want to extend a thank you to everybody who has been listening with us from the beginning or at any point along the way we really do appreciate the support and listenership and i hope you all have a legendary rest of your day